You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 801 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday into Thursday morning. And today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's pod will be a conversation that I had with Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops and Hawks Film Room and other places. Zach is uh, been, I guess he's been gracious enough to join me for all kinds of uh, NBA draft primer episodes, talking about bigs and combo forwards, combo guards, wings, and now finally point guards on today's show. It's going to be a three-parter in, uh, that I'll roll out over the next days and weeks, but the first part here, as, as you'll hear in a moment, talks about the guys who are not, not necessarily first-round locks, but some interesting names, uh, Cassius Winston among them, Malachi Flynn, Peyton Pritchard, some pretty famous players, honestly, that we discuss on, on today's podcast. I do want to take a second to tell you to subscribe to the show. I know a lot of you have already done that, and thank you so much for taking the time uh, to go ahead and subscribe. But if you have not done that so much, and if you enjoy the show, click on the subscribe button. Also, tell a friendly five-star feedback. That's uh, huge for us moving forward. Also, check out our sponsors always on the podcast. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening. But without further delay, here's my conversation with Zach Hood. Zach, thanks as always for joining me. It's been a little bit, but it's time to dive back in on the NBA draft. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, yeah, getting into some point guards today. Uh, Damian Lillard, another uh, point guard, just went absolutely nuts. Whenever you hear this, this might be a couple days from now, but Dame just scored <laughs> 61 here on... Uh, was it Tuesday night? So, Tuesday yeah. night, yeah. It was a it was a wild one from Dame. So yeah, we've now spoiled it, but I was going to spoil it anyway before we started talking. But yeah, Tuesday night that we're recording this, it's going to go up on Thursday, I think. But alas, when you're listening to this, uh, not time sensitive for the most part. So Zach and I will be talking about point guards in the NBA draft. If you missed anything previously, we've done all the other positions, but we'll split point guards into uh, I believe it's going to be three different shows. And the first one that you're about to listen to right now is about the guys who are maybe fringier in terms of second round picks or maybe a couple of guys at the end of the podcast could be in that late first round mix, but guys who are definitely not locks to be first round picks. And in general, there are fewer point guard only kind of players to tackle. Um, when I was making the list before we started talking about all of these uh, positions, point guard was actually the smallest list. And, uh, and that makes some sense. You know, some of the guys on the combo guard list can, play, can actually play point guard. Uh, also, it's just not like in vogue to, draft point guard size players if they're not going to be high-end players etc cetera, etc cetera. so only 11 or 12 guys that I think are likely to be drafted or at least somewhere in that range of likely being drafted so a pretty small list all things considered we'll start I guess we'll, I guess we'll start broadly um you know aside from the top guys that we'll hold off on and that's just for so everybody knows we're going to hold uh, Lamelo and Killian Hayes and Cole Anthony to the end maybe Kyra Lewis as well but what are your thoughts on the point guards in this group because even then like someone like Lamelo and Killian Hayes those guys are big enough to not even be point guards so the point guard size players are pretty limited yeah no I mean it's just the way the game's kind of going I mean you still have people like Cole Anthony Kyra Grant Riller you know people that are 6'3 6'4 that are playing point guard but the more trendy thing is to have, you know, a bigger guy just for defensive versatility. And then also, you know, a lot of those bigger guys, if they can move well enough, 
or even if they don't move that well in like a case of like Jokic kind of plays point guard on offense. So Lamelo Hayes, um, you know, these are guys that could probably play off the ball too. So it is like, like, I don't know. I almost think if you had like a true, like Chris Paul or Trey young type in this class, like we might actually view Hayes as more of an off ball player, but since, you know, there really aren't that many like ball handlers projected in the lottery. Um, you know, you kind of group him towards the point guards. For sure. And obviously being able to be a lead guard um, is valuable, which means, you know, Lamelo's six seven, but he's uh, still hopefully you're hoping that he's going to be a lead guard for you, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll talk about those guys much, much more when we get to them. But on today's show, we're basically going to focus on some guys who are uh, second-round type, maybe even not even drafted type guys. And then at the end, again, as I mentioned before, maybe it's a couple guys that could sneak into the first round potentially, but not necessarily consensus first-round picks. And uh, we'll talk about six different players on this podcast. The first one I wanted to run by you is Jordan Ford from St. Mary's, a uh, 6'1", four-year player, so an older guy, uh, a really, really, really good shooter, but he is small, he is old. If you want to read more about him, by the way, Wes Morton, good friend of the program, Peter Hoops wrote about him pretty recently, but uh, Jordan Ford is an interesting player, um, probably more of a two-way kind of guy, but someone who has a real marketable skill with, with his shooting. Yeah, I mean, the size is obviously, you know, the reason he's towards the bottom as far as, you know, the guys that are even considered for the draft, top 100 kind of guys but i mean he's been over 20 points a game the last two seasons basically right at you know 20 points per 36 and 35 points per 100 possessions the last two seasons so he could score but uh anyone who's 6-1 coming from a mid-major i mean i know i know damian lillard had a great game tonight but there's like one damian lillard so um you know, just projecting that kind of shooting into the league is just not realistic most of the time. So I don't know. I definitely like him, though. I would like to see a little bit more just because of his size. I mean, he doesn't really like he averages two assists a game as a six one player. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Like he's just pretty much going to have to be like a um, like a microwave type, just score off the bench. And he's going to have to be really good at it, obviously, at six one. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's something that Wes talked about in his piece too at Peachtree, but um, you know, not being a high end passer so far and being that small and that old and defensively he's like feisty ish, but I'm not sure he's ever gonna be uh average or better defensively either. So um obviously someone who's gonna rely and there's a few guys on this list by the way, they're gonna rely on this, but especially with Ford with his tools are kind of being limited athletically and all that stuff. He needs to make shots and I think he can, but uh it's tough to be that heavily reliant. I think he's more of a two-way guy, like I said before. I probably wouldn't draft him, um, but I also would be interested to see how he looks as a professional with the way that he uh, flashed at St. Mary's, and I always kind of enjoyed him um, at the college level. Um, from there, let's touch on Saban, Saban Lee real quick. Uh, Saban Lee from Vanderbilt, 6'2", uh, 21-year-old. Much different player than Jordan Ford, more of a uh, sort of a rim attacker, uh, big-time athlete type. Uh, but what do you what do you make of Saban Lee? Uh, I like him. I think he's just got obviously a little more upside in terms of athleticism. So while you might not be like a great athlete, just being a little bit bigger, you know, a little, I think he's his wings. I don't know his wingspan. I haven't, have you found it? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I was looking too, yeah. and I'm not sure how long he is. I mean, he's listed at six, two. That's not like great, but he is pretty, pretty powerful for somebody who's not super long. Yeah. I mean, 
he looks like I have no idea. I don't like sit around and mess with wingspans all the time, but <laughs> he he looks like he's you know fairly long. At least hopefully has a plus wingspan to six four, six five. If he does, um, I think he's just someone that goes maybe forty five, sixty to just a two way. But uh, for Vanderbilt, I mean, he was the type of guy who was really a strength for them on both ends of the floor in almost every area. I mean, he's a good shooter, good in transition, good in isolation. Uh, on 74 possessions, he's one point per possession. So I don't know. He's, he's like versatile more than where like someone like uh, Ford is kind of like, you know, you just kind of see him on the ball or maybe just in the corner shooting, but I actually could see Lee being like a good cutter, play a little bit more and more than your system. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a three-year guy at Vandy. The last two years, he kind of got put into bigger roles than he was supposed to have. Like two years ago, Darius Garland goes down, and Lee is suddenly like their number one creator. This year, Neesmith went down as well, and suddenly it was more Lee than you probably would have wanted. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he's probably a backup in the NBA, obviously, um, unless something crazy happens. But um, I'd have him like in the 50s or 60s, like someone who's draftable, doesn't have to be drafted in my opinion, but a pretty good two-way candidate. He's still uh, you know, a three-year guy, but he's, he's only 21, so he's not super old. I also like his pull-up equity as a shooter. If he can uh, develop that and uh, have that be a reliable trade of his where he can really shoot it well in pull-ups and on the move, and the numbers in college are pretty good. So if that translates, you can buy it a little bit easier. I think, again, he's pretty athletic and pretty powerful for his size. So I kind of like him. I don't, I'm not in love with Stephen Lee, but I think he is a draftable player. So um, that's kind of all I have on that. you have any final thoughts before we move on? No, I mean, I just – I agree. I think he's someone who, you know, depending on your like, – I probably wouldn't take him for the Hawks. That's probably the only thing I'd add just because he's 16. Yeah. But, he's not the guy that I would take either, 52, um, given the Hawks pick. Like, if they did it, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't throw a fit. I think he'd be perfectly, like, reasonable. He's just not someone I would target for what Atlanta yeah, probably yeah, they'll Yeah, I, I just – they'll probably be someone else there that I would – prefer i uh, agree with that um okay last guy before we get to a break is marcus howard who is much more famous than jordan ford and saving lee marcus howard was a college all-american um obviously a very very um famous college player and a really good college player really valuable college player he's not as old as four as some four-year guys but he's still a four-year guy and he's probably 510 5'11 listed but i think he might even be smaller than that um obviously a score first guy but uh what do you make of him i know it's interesting because he was an all-american in college to talk about him in the nba draft but uh he might not get drafted yeah no i mean i know i just said i wouldn't i mean i, I don't know I, I probably wouldn't draft him either if i were the hawks but I, I could just see like Schlink being more enamored with Howard just because of the volume, and it it was like the Big East, you know, it wasn't just. Yeah, I should say know, he, he played for people that don't know about college basketball. He played at Marquette, uh, four year guy, but the last, the last two years especially. I mean, honestly, three years ago too, he was still uh, still big volume. But the last two years, like huge volume, averaged combined like twenty six points a game for two seasons. Again, in a major conference at the uh, college level, that's uh, pretty impressive. Like very kind of rarefied air. This year, almost twenty eight points a game. Yeah, forty seven points per hundred possessions. Which is pretty ludicrous. I mean, obviously he's he was the uh, sun, moon, and the stars for them. He had a thirty nine percent usage this year, which is just off the charts. Obviously, um, I wish he wasn't so small. Like if if Marcus Howard was six two, it'd be a little bit easier to buy. He again, he's listed at five eleven. That usually means you might even be a little bit smaller than that. But you know, still an I'll all give American. <laughs> I'll give Howard a chance because 
if his first step is quick enough and if he can draw contact, he shot 15 free throws per 100 possessions too. So like in the NBA yep. with the spacing, if you if you have shooting gravity and you can draw fouls, I mean, watch a Hawks game. That's literally Trey Young's game. So I don't know. That's the reason I would give him a chance to be like, like if Marcus Howard becomes the next Isaiah Thomas, like wouldn't be the craziest thing that's ever happened. Like yeah, not, I, obviously the, not the Pistons. Yeah, the, the right. Celtics and the new Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And you know, not that I know. You're, I know you're not projecting that. I just want to make that clear. It's it's that's an outlier outcome. But given the tools that he does have, the free throw rate, three point shooting. I mean, he took. He is the biggest three point sample that you'll ever see now for any draft prospect. He took more than a thousand threes in college because he played all four years and took huge volume and made forty three percent of them. So like he's a real shooter. Um, you know, his two point percentage was not always good in college. That's something to at least circle, but because he is so small. Um, but still, I mean, you at least know what he can do. And I think it could translate. I mean, I think it might be more likely that Howard becomes like an incredible overseas player that's just like a primary scorer. And maybe that's not going to be his ticket in the NBA, but he is good enough where it might work. One of the things that I want to point out is that defensively, it's going to be bad, I would imagine. And then he essentially had a one to one assist turnover ratio in college that is uh, alarming uh, obviously because he, uh, he's gonna have the ball in his hands all the time um that's the only way that it could work honestly i know his shooting is impressive but because he is so small he kind of needs to have the ball most of the time when, when he's on the court i know he could space the floor as a as a uh, secondary option but i don't know it's it's a tough fit in some ways especially in atlanta but at the same time i can see why a team would take a shot on him in the second round just because of the profile and you know, the the I don't, I'm not even sure how to even describe how big of a sample it is on his shooting and how good he was in college at just creating shots and making them. Yeah, I think in a league where it's kind of officiated to benefit someone like that, I just yep. I think it would be pretty like insane to not give him a chance. Like someone, I, I almost want to say he will be drafted just because people in the league know this. Like, what? How many guys come in the league like John Morant, Donovan Mitchell? I mean, I know a lot of people thought these guys were going to be good, but I mean, a lot of young guys are scoring like 20, 22, 25. I think Trey was at 29. Luca was around there. Like, guys are just coming in the league and putting up numbers. And someone who's already put up numbers and played against people that were bigger than them for four years wouldn't be the craziest thing at all if he came in and scored like 16 a game for a bad team. Like, I mean, it might not be the prettiest 16 a game. It might be 16, <laughs> 3, and 3 on 40% shooting. That, that might even be high, by the way, because in, in, in college, uh, again, I mentioned the, the, the assist earlier. He only averaged three assists per game in college as on 39% usage. Yeah, he'll so, have better teammates, though, in the NBA. That's Some true. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, but anyway, I mean, we talked about that's kind of what Howard is. We kind of encapsulated it. I do think that someone's going to give him a chance, whether it be on a two-way or maybe late in the second round. Uh, it wouldn't blow me away if he went like 40th. I because... think at the at the least, Howard is going to p- be putting up like 40 in the G League. Oh, yeah. He's the kind of guy who would uh, at least offensively cook in the G League at some point because uh, the G League is a very guard-dominated league if you don't watch a lot of that. Uh, and he is the kind of guy who could just put up all kinds of numbers at that level. Uh, so, all right, there you go, Marcus Howard. Okay, before we get to three more guys after this break, a word from the good folks at rockauto.com. With the increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for chain stores to stock all the car and truck parts 
that you need. So why would you endure seemingly intimidating questioning that's often pointless and wait forever while the person behind the counter orders the parts on the computer, choosing only the brands that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. It's a much, much better option for your vehicle. Whether it's for a classic car or a daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are always the same for everyone, and they are always the lowest prices possible. From there, the rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. From there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Zach, let's transition to a trio of guys who are, uh, at least in the consensus, more highly regarded in draft circles. The first of which I want to talk about is Peyton Pritchard of Oregon. Uh, Pritchard was awesome this year, an all American level player at Oregon. Uh, he's pretty old, he's 22. But a 6'2", 6'5", wingspan is what I saw. Um, not like an incredible athlete by any means, but someone who was an efficient scorer, a big-time shooter in college. Um, his assist rate was really good as a senior. His passing was really uh, much better as he progressed in college. And honestly, he was just an awesome college player this year. Um, how much it translates is kind of the eye of the beholder, but he was super efficient. And uh, defensively, he's big enough where it's not like it doesn't have to be a disaster. So that's sort of setting the stage uh, with a broad overview. But uh, what do you think of Peyton Pritchard? Yeah, people, I've seen a few people compare him to TJ McConnell, but I think he's like, he was a good bit better in college. He's much, much, much better in college, much bigger and a much, much, much better shooter. Yeah, he's the first guy I would be trying to sign if, if he isn't drafted for whatever team I am. Period. I mean, I think he someone, will be drafted. In. Just for the record, like my opinion is yeah. like you know the the Intel guys seem to have him a little bit higher now than they did earlier. Like I saw him, I can't remember if it was uh, Sam Masini or the ESPN guys, but I've seen him like in the 30s or like maybe even the low 40s when it comes to big boards right now. I'm sure that's Intel based to some degree. So at this point, I'll be surprised if he's not drafted. But it's not going to be in the first round, I don't think. I think he's just more of that, you know, ceiling-wise, I don't see the ceiling very high, but I think he could, he could I think he could be a backup point guard for a while and be pretty good at it. I don't know. I just think he does. He's one of those guys that just, I don't know. I just I just really like how he played and how he, like, he was definitely, like, you know, the the captain leader of Oregon. Yeah. And uh, shame, you know, we'll never see the end of this college basketball season, but I really liked them. Yeah, he was a guy that um, when when this all shut down, he was a name that people were all, were mentioning as someone who could have uh, made a leap in terms of their overall stock. And that, that can sometimes be overrated because most college guys have been seen by the NBA a lot, and there's not like the massive jumps anymore that there used to be. But Pritchard was so good. I mean, you can't overstate how efficient and good he was as a senior. He was a senior, but uh, and that does matter. But he's someone I think is definitely draftable. Hawks-wise, I mean, if they just wanted to go back at point guard at 52, like, that's perfectly reasonable. The other two guys on this list could be in the mix as well. But, you know, I, I would I would say I'm not sure he'd be the number one guy I would prioritize for the Hawks at that spot. But if they took him, I would be A-OK with it because I think he is 
probably going to end up being higher than that on my board overall. And it's not like the Hawks couldn't use another backcourt option. I know they had Brandon Goodwin, and they might sign or acquire somebody else. But they, you know, they need something there. Um, and maybe that could be Pritchard. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I would just get him. I mean, I, if he's not drafted, I mean, I know he'll have all his options. He could go anywhere he wants, and that's sometimes harder. To, you know, it's hard, really hard to get someone to come to your team. Everybody in the league wants him. But uh, I just like the fit, uh, even though he is not the biggest guy. I would never envision him playing an extra tray. So uh, even if he was the third point guard or even the fourth, you know, even if him and Goodwin were kind of fighting for that spot and he was going – to college park in a little bit i don't know i just i just feel like he's like could be part of a winning culture i know that's like cliche and like especially just because he was you know in the middle of a big run leading a college team but uh i buy it though i do i, I just like i just think he makes like smart plays and like the mcconnell thing isn't wrong i just think he's better than mcconnell like he does all those things except he actually could shoot um He's, yeah, a little make, bit quick. he's a little bit quicker. He's a little bit bigger. You know, I don't know. Just everything yeah, his, McConnell is, he's a little bit better. His toolbox is definitely more interesting than McConnell's. Like, McConnell's an outlier, and it's honestly a credit to him that he's been able to carve out the career he has in the NBA because even in college, like, he wasn't a difference maker at all. Um, and he just plays super hard, and he's an irritant and all that stuff. And McConnell is still a very particular player. Like, he has to have the ball in his hands to be successful, and then he's not good enough to have the ball in his hands, for instance. But... Pritchard could play off the ball like he's not that small. I mean, 6'2 and 6'5 wingspan is not big, but it's not like tiny. You could play him a little bit off the ball as a shooter because he really can't space the floor. If you had a bigger point guard, he might fit well. Yeah, I mean, he's more skilled for sure than McConnell, and he is taller than McConnell. Um, that comp is probably a little bit, you know, yeah, I mean, white, white point guard driven. Uh, right. <laughs> but no, it's just one of those sure. things where I, I can see why that might come up, but Pritchard is just – the skill, the skill, the skill box is, is just better than what McConnell is, and that, and, that, and yeah. that's not to say that he's gonna be better than McConnell because McConnell again has overachieved in a big way and like I is think, a rotation player in the NBA. I think he honestly is just more comparable, like just to like an Augustine or like a Shelvin Mack or something. Like, yeah, I mean, that, I mean and that's I kind of player. I'd... I mean, Shelvin's a good example of someone who, you know, wasn't a big time draft prospect, but had decent size and just did enough things well to where he was a fringe rotation player for a handful of years. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Was Sheldon Mack great at any point? No, but he was an NBA player for a half decade or more, and Pritchard could be better than that even because, like, he was he's obviously a better shooter than Sheldon ever was. So, I don't know, it's just interesting to me how this whole group, honestly, and we'll talk about the other two guys in a second, but they're not sexy at all. Um, but like I go back, this, they're very different players. But I go back, I go back to that Monty Morris draft where Monty Morris fell way too far because it was like, all right, well he's a backup point guard, and I I get that that's not in demand in a lot of ways. Like Monty Morris is probably never going to be a great starter, but he's a really solid backup point guard who doesn't do things wrong. And I know that's not off the charts valuable, but he went like like in the fifties in the draft, and that 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 looks silly to me now. Like should he have gone in the top twenty? Probably not, but. I don't know. Guys can just fall too far because they're not sexy. They don't have a ton of upside. And I get all that. You don't want to draft for floor and all that stuff. But there is value if you just hit on a guy who can play basketball for you for a half decade and do it cheaply and sort of contribute. And I think all three of the guys in the second half of the the podcast could fit that description. I think it's definitely a good idea for the Hawks to address backup point guard at some point. I mean, depending on what they want to give up going forward, I I would honestly try to get back closer to 30 
just because someone like Tyrell Terry or Trey Jones, I mean, I don't think Trey Jones will be there, but some, even some of those guys are intriguing. And yeah, and they'll be on, and they'll be on the, our next show, by the way. Like you have that right. group of uh, Devon Dotson, Tyrell Terry, Trey Jones, and Nico Mannion, who, at least on the consensus boards, those guys are all between like 25 and 45 on most boards, uh, and maybe even higher than that for most of them. So there's that whole group too. So, you know, and again, like someone like Pritchard or the other two guys we're going to talk about now, Malachi Flynn and Cassius Winston, those guys could hop over someone in the in our, in our second podcast group. They're not that far apart. Uh, we, should, we, had, we had to draw the line somewhere. And I think from what I can see and what I have heard, um, Pritchard, Flynn, and Winston are just, they're just older. And I think that's a little bit of this too. Like, you know, age is not always a good thing. You, you don't, you don't want to be old in the NBA draft most of the time. And that's kind of why I lump these guys together because they're really experienced, high-level college players, whereas the other guys are more, more prospecty in some respects. But uh, even then, um, if anybody in this Pritchard, Flynn, Winston group was drafted in the top 40, uh, you know, no issue with me. It's not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'd, ha- I'd have them all that high, but it would be uh, defensible to me. No, yeah, I agree. The, the shot making with all three of them, and now, you know, we can get into Flynn and Winston. Yeah. I mean, it's, people hate this draft and everything, but to me, for Flynn and Winston and Pritchard to be like, not even top five, not even close to top five. I mean, they're pretty much consensus, you know, outside the top ten. I mean, one of them is tenth, and then the other two are out of the top ten as far it as you know, how, point guards, you mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 for point guards. And, you, I mean, so you, you're saying, like what you just said, 12 point guards could go in the top 40. Like, that's pretty deep. Yeah, and, 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 they, all, and they all won't, but I do think that any of, you know, any of the Pritchard, Flynn, Winston trio could go in the top 40 and no one will blink an eye. At least they shouldn't blink an eye. I think, obviously, they won't all go that high, I don't think, because eventually you just run out of places to put point guards when you factor in Mannion and Jones and Terry and Dotson and Riller as well. But, you know, I can see it on all of on all of them to the point where it just wouldn't – it shouldn't surprise anybody if, like, a GM in the 30s or even the early 40s falls in love with one of these guys as, like, a backup point guard type because that's what they are, but that's okay. Yeah, I think they all have like the um, Devontae Graham aspirations. You know, that's like the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, but, De- uh, De- Devontae Graham in, uh, for the first two months of the season, not not after that, when he was making all the shots in the world. But um, we should set the stage a little bit before I forget. Uh, Cassius Winston obviously was a uh, high-level college player at Michigan State. He'll be 23 in February. He's really old as a four-year guy in college. And not a great athlete at all. He is the most limited athlete of these three guys. He's pretty small, two at six one, but he's an unbelievable shooter. He shot forty four percent from three over a three year period, and is like a ninety a ninety percent free throw shooter. Uh, just a, I mean, he was probably known for his pick and roll stuff because he's a, he's a fantastic pick and roll operator and a really tough kid as well. But like a legitimately elite shooter in college. And again, how much that translates, we'll see. But offensively, there's a ton to like there, even if he's like. Not a good athlete. I mean, by NBA standards, like he's a bad athlete. He was he was an average, or maybe even below average athlete, athlete in college. Um, so that's the biggest question for Winston is just like, can he stay on the floor athletically? I think he can, but um, if you don't think much of Winston, it's probably because he is so small and not athletic. Yeah, I like him, but like I could project Howard easier than Winston. I feel like just because Howard, like if Howard makes it, I mean, I feel like I. He's just going to be relentless. You know what I mean? Like he's just going to get the shots up. And yeah, I, I trust Winston. I trust Winston a lot more in terms of like 
running an offense in a game. I think he was like a super advanced pick and roll operator, like the way he feels, the way he passes. But again, like defensively, his tools are like okay in that he's got pretty good hands. He's pretty strong for his size and he's kind of quick in small areas, but not going to be a bursty high end defender. So like Howard, you know, Howard's role is probably a little bit easier to define. Like Winston, you just kind of, if you're a fan of Winston, you're a fan of just giving him the ball and letting him run your second unit and just being a professional point guard. Like that's like almost like a lost group in the NBA right now is that like, you know, 10 year backup point guard that just like runs the show and does it efficiently and does it like effectively, but does it, but isn't really going to like challenge your starting point guard at any point. I don't know. That's what I kind of see from yeah. Winston. It's kind of a lost archetype. It doesn't really exist anymore. I think it, and this doesn't bode well for Marcus Howard either, by the way, but, uh, <laughs> What I'm going to say doesn't. Um, I think it's going away almost by, like, on purpose. Like, people just don't want, like, 6'2", non-athletic guys on the floor, even if they are good at running the offense. It just seems like those guys just – it's just harder for those guys to stick. Yeah. I mean, like, you have a lot of people that make it, like Van Fleet and, you know, all your other – Lowry. There's a ton of guys that size in the league. So you really just have to be, like, a great shooter, though. And, like, I think Winston, like you're saying, like, his read and react stuff, like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be able to make reads. If anything, the floor is going to open up a little more at the NBA level. But uh, it just seems like even, like, Teague the last couple years, like, I know he got older, but he honestly – it's just harder and harder for those guys to find a matchup the bigger the league gets. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and this is why – guys fall and I I actually you know I somewhat understand that Winston is the most limited athlete of the whole group so if you're going to pour cold water again that's that's the way to do it um we should go to Flynn just briefly and we can sort of tie this whole thing together Flynn is at least for what I am hearing and seeing he's kind of the guy who has the buzz out of this group right now like I I think Sam Massini has him in the top 30 now um and I've heard around the league people like Malachi Flynn quite a bit uh he played at San Diego State 6'1 21 year old a great ball handler, passer, playmaker type, like really, really has the ball on a string, feels the game well, pretty good shooter as well off the dribble and off the catch. Defensively, like he's just okay, but he plays hard. Um, he's he's a lot more athletic in my opinion than Winston, Winston for sure. Um, so yeah, Flynn is, I'm kind of surprised at how much he's jumped in some of these um, big board settings, but at the same time, he doesn't really have a huge weakness. And I think, the playmaking is legitimately impressive if you watched him in college. I know it's San Diego State, but that's a decently high level. It's not like he's playing super low-level basketball, and he was just awesome. Um, I was watching him more when I was writing about Matt Mitchell, who went back to the went, went back to college, but because they were playing together, and you know, even even watching Mitchell intently, you can't help but like kind of flip over to Flynn because Flynn is just a lot of fun to watch uh, operate with the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's insane. Like I didn't. I didn't really see him during the season, but obviously, you know, you start getting into draft stuff and, you know, like we're on Twitter all the time. So you're going to see the draft Twitter. And I've seen Malachi Flynn all over my timeline for a long time now. And uh, that doesn't always mean the guys are going to go up on the big board. Um, Tyrell Terry has been popular on draft Twitter too, and he's kind of stayed the same. So I think the interest with Flynn is legitimate. Like a lot of people, when they dove into the film on him, liked what they saw. And, uh, you know, just for everything you said, the shot making, the feel, um, you know, to being able to run the unit at a high level. Uh, I really think 
he'll probably be the first one drafted, just kind of like you said. Um, just seems that way. And, you know, depending on how teams feel about some of these other guys, I mean, he could go ahead of some of the guys we'll talk about next time for sure. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, I, I was tempted to move him, even though we've had these uh, groups put together. I was tempted to move him up one, but I just, you know, try to even out the numbers a little bit. But, uh, you know, he's now – I've now seen him ahead of – at least one or two of the other guys on big boards. And that doesn't mean everything, but Intel is, you know, sparse. And I trust the guys who have the Intel to know things about what's going to happen. So I don't know. I like Malachi Flynn a lot. I guess the question that I have to ask you now, before we get out of here is uh, how you would order these guys. I think for me anyway, Lee and Ford are at the bottom. Ford's definitely at the bottom, even if I like, if I kind of like him, but uh, how would you order the guys we talked about on this podcast? All right. I would have Ford sixth, Lee, fifth, Howard, fourth, which is so far the exact order on our sheet, but that's not on purpose. Um, top three, I would have Flynn, one, Pritchard, two, and Winston, three. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would probably do the same. I think it would be Flynn, Winston, Pritchard for me, then Howard, Lee and Ford, but I'm not like married to that. I, I just want to make it clear that I'm, I'm in on Cassius Winston. I always have been. Um, but you know, those guys are really close, including Flynn. I think Flynn is probably one and has to be now, but Pritchard and Winston are both going to be in my top 45 for sure. So I think, um, I think basically where we're at is like, you really like Winston's floor on offense. And I kind of like uh, Pritchard's just overall floor. Like, I think he's going to be a decent defender. I think he's going to shoot well. So even if he's not great with the ball in the NBA, I think he still can do something. So Yeah, I'm with that. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not – I don't know. Part of this is that I'm probably just too high on Cassius Winston. But I, having, I've watched him way too much, which is probably part of this problem. But the way that he runs a basketball team on offense uh, – and his shooting, that combination, I think he's just going to be a, a good backup point guard for a while. And that's not sexy at all, but his shooting is really, really impressive, and I trust it. And then if you just watch him run, pick and roll, and operate, and pass, and just like be a professional at it, it's uh, intoxicating if you like that kind of basketball, and it's uh, it's fun to watch. But, I mean, even then, I can acknowledge that I'm probably too high on him, but even, you know, all these guys are those. At least those top three guys for me are top forty-five. I will say this: I'm lower on Howard than you. Even if, even though I have Howard fourth, I'm lower on Howard. I'm not sure I draft Howard, um, but I also again I see why people would. I'm just not sure. Yeah. I All right. So you remember this is why I think you could be like Isaiah Thomas. You remember that like period where Isaiah just no one would give him like a full time job. Yeah. Just because he was five seven, like. I think Howard could be the same thing. Like he might, it might be three years down the road and you kind of forget about him. And then he like all of a sudden has a 30 point game in March for a rebuilding team. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Cause like he'll, he'll even his rookie year, I could see him having like some crazy games in those. If, if there's a regular NBA season, you know, whatever, I don't know what month it'll be in, but games 67 to 82 where like 10 out of the 30 teams actually have something to play for. Be ready for a Marcus Howard, like 35 points. Yeah, I can see that. 
Uh, you sold me. I mean, I still. He's just not the kind of guy that I like. It's just what it is. Like he's really, I mean, he's really good at what he does. I just don't. My thing with Howard is that there is no plan B. Like he does one thing well, and if that doesn't work, it, there's not there's no other path for him in the NBA. And I think it will work on some level, but you know what I mean. Like guys that only have really one appeal, it better work. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying like I would draft him over Pritchard, Winston, or Flynn. Oh, sure. I'm just saying like. As a fringe, you know, top 80, 100 prospect, wherever, you know, I don't know where, I don't have anyone really, I didn't like research where people had him before this. Sure. Um, but I've seen, I, remember, I just seems like I remember seeing him between like 70 and 100. Uh, I just think like as someone that low, like he, he does have a little bit of intrigue. Like a lot of these guys that are this low, I mean, there's just like not a ton of like, upside really and i and i know what you're saying like even if he does pan out is he really like something you want to build around i mean probably not so like i understand no i get it um all right well that's probably enough on this pod again we, we've sort of uh advertised it but the uh part part two whenever it arrives in the near future will be uh nico Mannion, trey jones tyrell terry devon dotson grant riller and maybe kyra lewis um, depending on where we put him. And then the last one will be LaMelo, Killian, and Cole Anthony. Maybe Kyra Lewis. I'm not sure how we'll divide that up. but Because uh, Kyra is kind of in his own tier as someone who is not really a Hawks draftable player, but also is like a fringe lottery pick. It's, he's in a weird spot right now, but we'll talk, we'll talk about him later. Uh, Zach, anything to plug before we get out of here? Nah, man. Check out uh, all the draft scouting reports from everyone at Peace Hoops, you know, as always. And then... For like some videos, content, stuff like that, you can go to Hawks Film Room on Twitter or YouTube. Uh, it's just some stuff that me and uh, every now and then, you know, my friend Andrew Kelly or my friend Glenn Willis will help me out with a video over there. Just some, you know, quick little breakdowns and stuff. But yeah, just enjoying another month without Hawks basketball. <laughs> We're getting there. Uh, the lottery is looming, but uh, we'll have we'll have plenty before then and after that. Zach, thanks for joining me as always, my friend. Everybody else, subscribe to the podcast. Follow Zach's work. Follow my work if you'd like to. Follow Peachtree Hoops, Hawks Film Room, etc. And we'll see you next time.